0: Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer our listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Okay. So we have a very exciting new series for you, for our listeners. We've been talking about this for many years and here we are finally recording it. We are, if you've probably noticed by the title of this episode, doing a series around building your dream house. So it's going to be a multi-part series, and we have some amazing experts that are gonna be here to help guide us through the process um, step-by-step, getting started, working with an architect, your contractor, a designer, all of that's good stuff to answer all of the many questions that you may have about building a, a brand new house and of course Taryn is here and um, <laughs> <laughs> she's our, our resident expert on this and she's going through the process. So. I'm in the thick of it they would say. <laughs> well you're our expert question asker how's that? Oh I got questions yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> And to help you to be our, I guess, guest host throughout the series, we have Maggie Griffin here, one of our favorites. She's been on the show many times. I'm sure you're all familiar with her. And she not only has recently done her own big project, but she helps clients every day build homes from the ground up. And so she has one of her favorite contractors is gonna join us. We are also gonna chat with an architect and she is going to also jump in and talk us through the interior design portion if you're doing the interior design in tandem with the rest of your new build, So we have a lot to get through. Over the next couple of episodes, but we're really excited because we want to make this a really helpful series for everybody. So Maggie, welcome to the show. Just a quick introduction. If you don't know her, Maggie Griffin, she is an interior designer based out of Gainesville, Georgia. Her team has grown a lot over the years since we met her, I think, in our first season, actually. Yeah, Um, five years ago. Yeah, and you're a team of, you've got a team of 10 now working for you. Y'all do projects in Georgia, Alabama, Florida, the Carolinas, the whole Southeast, really. Um, you have a retail component now, Maggie Griffin at Home. You're also working on product. You really do it all. So welcome to the show. Thank yes. y'all.
1: Thank y'all so much for having me. I love any time to get to chat with Caroline and Taryn. <laughs> Could you, I want to start, though, with you.
2: What? Tell us a little bit about your project and where you are in it to
1: give people an idea of your own personal project. <laughs> so thank y'all so much for asking me to join in the series. Number one, I love chatting with y'all about anything that has to do with design, but I think that building homes right now is such at the forefront of what's happening in the industry that I feel really passionate about this. And I think that I know that Caroline's done renovation in the past two years. Taryn is in the thick of building I happen to just be having my hand at all this crazy stuff. (laughs) And my husband and I actually did, I call a COVID renovation. So last March in 2020, we purchased a home that needed some love. It needed a lot more.
2: Before shutdown or like right? This is
1: like the second week of shutdown, like (laughs) (laughs) crazy town, like just pile it on. What happened was this kind of beautiful thing that it gave us a really positive thing to kind of be a part of for the next six months. Our contractor ended up being readily available because the stock market had also just crashed. And there were a fair amount of his clients who were not able to proceed as quickly as they wanted to with their projects. So we have these pieces that really fell into place for us. So over the next six months, we renovated a house that needed a lot more love than we initially thought. Isn't that the way it always goes? (laughs) And moved in that house the weekend of October the 8th. Um, Within about, I like to decorate for Christmas early, about five weeks, we decorated for Christmas. I shot the house for Cottage Journal. We Things were crazy town. We had our first Christmas there. My boy, I mean, we loved it. There was nothing at the end of that that we would have changed we loved the house. We ended up putting in a pool and then January came and someone wanted the house.
0: And so we moved, we sold that that? house. Like someone knocked on your door and said, I want to buy your house. Well, through
1: conversation, it all kind of came about that our house would be a perfect fit for them. I was, it it still is like one of those things where like, it took me a minute to kind of process it. But once we found some land to build on a rental house and (sighs) <sighs> Took a deep breath that we ended up selling that house and moving out of it in March of 21. <laughs> we purchased a two and a half acre lot in our current neighborhood to build on with some of our best friends, engaged an architect, engaged our builder, and now we're in a rental. So we have moved uh, three times in the past year, and y'all know moving is no joke, but it's the worst. It it really is. We're in a rental right now. We just got a dog, so I'm like, this is the perfect time to have a dog in a rental.
0: Um, <laughs> God, you're, you're crazy. I, we are. We are. That's great. Our rental, it, it's great.
1: Rental is very snug, but it's in it's in our neighborhood, which we did not want to take our kids out of where we live. We love where we are. We're building in that same neighborhood, so the pieces fell into place for us, which is why I think I'm not only do I have these things going on with clients, but very personally, I feel very intertwined in this industry right now. And I'm a big proponent of getting your kind of dogs in a row when it comes to building a home. You know, I'm not a big fan of what they call winging it. So I think that it it gives you a lot of peace of mind and saves you a lot of heartache if you have the, the planning to do, like the foresight to do your fair amount of planning up front. So... <laughs> Yes, we are building too. (laughs) And hopefully they'll be breaking ground on, or at least clearing our land in the next week. The piece of land that, and anyone who follows me on Instagram, I'm going to be documenting all of this because yes, it is crazy town. Uh, So um, I'll be posting about it, but the piece of land that we purchased to build on was originally already planned to have spec homes there over the past 10 years. So, When the recession 10 years ago happened or 15 years ago, everything was put on pause. So right now there are pipes coming out of the ground. There's electrical. There's even a road. Wow! But all of that has to be taken out (laughs) to regrade for just two houses. So it was planned for seven and then it changed to four houses. And now a decade later, now we're going to build two on there. So we finalized our plans. We're building with our buddies, which is so much fun. You know, what? I mean, that's just fun. It's um, <laughs> Super an fun. adventure. My boys are really involved. They love to talk about it. And um, having my husband in real estate too, we kind of have our lane, like the things that are important to us. And
2: oh, that's yeah, good. So,
1: I bet that's actually really good. It's like, no,
2: no, that's my lane. Stay <laughs> <take over> there. <laughs> yeah,
0: Stay on your side. I'll stay on mine. Yes, that's yes. funny.
1: It's okay, beautiful. yeah, and remind
0: everyone yeah. how old your sons are.
1: So my oldest Henry is eight, eight and a half, and my youngest Samuel is almost. And so our our friends and neighbors who will be building with us have two boys as well who are four and two. So we'll have a little four boy compound, and <laughs> that
2: sounds amazing.
1: All the neighborhood children can come and like my oldest. They love to play in the woods. That's the age they're in. So. They have boy country and play in the woods and build things. And I love that. I want him to awesome. learn how to do all of it.
0: <laughs> well, guys, we have, we have a whole long list of questions. So, you know, I want to just ask first the two of y'all personally at, well, Taryn, I know your answer. Our listeners probably do too, but okay. I feel like step number one is finding your piece of property. So where, like, how? If you, you know, Taryn, you have a sp- special situation that I feel like you should explain yes. to anyone that's not familiar with your project. And then Maggie, it sounds like you found a lot that was near to where you were already living. But, but how do you go about finding a site and like kicking that part off and knowing it's right for kind of?
2: Yeah, is it the first step? Really, is the another question mark? Right? Like, yeah, I guess. Like, is there something
1: um, before that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. You know, I think it depends on where you are. So in a more metropolitan area like Atlanta, most of our new builds within the perimeter of Atlanta are teardowns. Hmm. So you can already visualize what a home looked like there over the years, where that home was. I'm sure it's, it's probably been graded. It's on city water and everything's been kind of prepped in some way. So I would say kind of in metropolitan areas, I would I would just have to think that maybe a lot of what people are doing are new builds on teardown pieces of land.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, we have a whole other kind of sect of clients who are finding what we would call heirloom property that they would invest in over time on building a primary structure and then over time, kind of those ancillary structures. Bunk houses, pond houses, maybe there's an old home on the property that hasn't gotten the love over the years that it needed. So I would say in more rural areas that's common. We're doing a project outside of Athens right now and the original site plan for the home was kind of down in this little valley that was sort of along the edge of a pond. Well, the first time I went to the property, I could see up onto kind of a a little hilltop and I just asked the homeowner. I said, why, aren't, why aren't we building up there? Because that, so when you, and now that we've done it, she, she tells me, thank you all the time. Thank you. Wow, but That allowed the whole home. Every single room has a view over this beautiful piece of land. That is a very high elevation outside of Athens. So whereas you would have had a more of that kind of pond, like ideal outside of the windows. If we had gone the other route, now you can see miles away. So that was a very collaborative decision on her end. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're building, say, we have a, quite a few houses that we're engaged with over at Lake Oconee, which they have continued to kind of free up these lots over the years and different sections of Reynolds Plantation. Well, that may be there's a whole gamut of stipulations involved on where we can and how we can and what's involved. So. Depending on where you are, I think that number one, you may have some covenances that kind of predetermine what your options are. But I know for for us, my husband and I, over the years, we've always said if you if you feel good about a piece of land or a house, or something he says, Let's get it on contract. Don't let it slip out through your fingers. You can always cancel the contract.
0: Mm-hmm. But if
1: you find a piece of land or a house that could be a great tear down, just snitch it up because. Things don't last, y'all know. And then you can get on the phone, hop on the phone with you know a landscape company who can give you a rough sketch of how a house would be placed on that property, or a structural engineer that could, or you know that could tell you let's manipulate just a little bit so that it could be positioned this way too. Um, So that is my biggest piece of advice. And Mm -hmm. most landscape companies have someone on staff that can give you a rough sketch. It does cost money; it's not free. But it's worth it in the end to see a conceptual drawing. It's what I call a napkin drawing even of where that home would be on a piece of beautiful land. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if whether that's on a beautiful heirloom piece of property that's 300 acres or a half acre lot inside the city. I think that just the conceptual from the get go is really nice. And maybe you even ask for a couple of options. What are my options, especially if you're building on a lot that is quite large. Well, if I put the house over here on the left, what does that look like if I on the right hand side of the land? So I'm big on just kind of starting there in the beginning and and then from there you can really, I think it's it helps most people to see kind of an overall vision and then determining is this the right step for us? And hopefully it would be, but if not, you haven't gone too far down the road to where it's unfixable.
0: Yeah. Okay. Just right. a short story, because this, I always think about this when, um when designers or architects suggest contacting them before you've purchased the property, um, which seems kind of crazy, right? But my husband, you know, used to do residential landscape architecture and his old boss had some clients call him. They had been previous clients. He did their old, their old, their previous house and they bought a new house signed con, you know, every like mortgage started everything they bought the house thinking okay we don't really like the backyard we really wanted a pool but we can add a pool to this property and like it'll be our dream house they call him out there well this you know because of certain um stipulations by the city and setbacks and whatnot they couldn't put a pool in So they had bought this house with this understanding that they were going to put in a pool and it would be everything they wanted, and then they realized they couldn't do it. And he was like, "I wish you'd called me like three weeks ago. You know, I could have could have told you all that." So I do feel like there are certain things that you you know, to your point, like you need to know if you need a four thousand square foot house, can you fit that right on your lot?
2: Well, and or a dream home, like you said, like you've you've pictured this house your whole life, and then yeah, if the lot doesn't work with it, then you know.
0: Yeah. And there are some rules that you as yes. a regular homeowner wouldn't know, you know, like you don't know what the setbacks are in oh, the city or the impermeable the rules about like how much hardscape you can have, et cetera. So, okay, Taryn, will you tell everybody about your project? Because you have a kind of a special yes. circumstance in terms of yes. how you got your lot. Yes,
1: I
2: um was fortunate that David's grandmother lived in next to a beautiful park in Atlanta in a great neighborhood and she was in a night was there in the nineteen fifties when like the first owner of the ranch that she lived in. So we were just fortunate that the timing when they she actually moved out of there, nobody else in the family wanted it. And I said, "Ooh, gross. No, it's disgusting, which is really rude. I'm, I'm aware. But it was just not at all what I had pictured. And I didn't, I never lived. I lived in a two-story suburban home growing up. So I just didn't. Anyway, I digress. We, we renovated and moved in and loved it. For what it was for a long time, as many of you know, but it just had flooding issues in the basement, which made it just structurally not sound enough to build up or pop the top or anything like that. So we put in minimal amount of money for renovations, knowing that this would potentially be a plan to one day knock down. And um, we just in February of 2020 decided that we were going to start and we, we were going to do it. And then, of course, everything from there took a lot of time. <laughs> I think I think that's all everyone's story. They're like, remember February 2020? Um, but that is the, that is how we came about our property. So that's why I was saying, obviously, we had the restriction of the land size. That was like something for us that like everybody has. But yeah, we had to think about the house fitting because we had a just 1950s three bedroom ranch and we wanted to put a big house on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, OK. I feel like we got to get into money and I know that's probably not something that everyone wants to talk about, but it's very important. So how do you go about establishing your budget coming up with financing for your build? Like maybe both of you could kind of speak to just ways that you don't have to get into, you know, specifics or anything, but just it's kind of some, and Maggie, I'm sure your clients, you have a lot of awareness of this for your own clients, but like How do those conversations start, and how do you get the process of actually getting the funds to build? It's another one of those things where it is truly so different for every project.
1: There, say you do buy a home in Atlanta that was, we'll just say five hundred thousand dollars, and then you're tearing it down. Well, then essentially you paid five hundred thousand for a lot to build on, and then comes in your construction cost. So what we're finding is somewhere around two hundred a square foot seems average on our houses. Y'all, that's not to say that at some of the more remote areas, say like like Barton or like Raven or even Kiwi, where things are a little bit harder to get resources, but also there's fewer subs where they kind of can charge what they want to. Those houses are costing $400 a square foot. So that is a huge change um, or leave, and you know, you're talking about a hundred percent increase on mm-hmm. your building cost. So what we try to do with our clients is sit down with them when before a hammer is swung before a board has been placed, before concrete has been been poured, and go over those allowances lists for our finishes and talk through if those are actually realistic or not. Mm-hmm. because I will say nine times out of ten, builders don't allow enough money in those chunks. Now they can tell you probably down to the penny what your heating and air will cost, what your labor costs will be to finish your floors, what your roofing will cost. That has been extremely fluid numbers over the past two years. But when it comes to if you're building a million, million and a half, two million dollar home, there is a certain caliber of finish you will put into that home. That's not the lighting package that you go buy from Home Depot. Mm -hmm. So that's where we kind of work with our clients to say, if you have engaged us and you know the quality of our work and you know the quality of your contractor's work, then we want that work to shine and we want to be realistic about what that actually looks like. Mm -hmm. So I would rather be realistic up front than them say, oh my goodness, like we had no idea that the beautiful lights that we were going to choose cost this much or the tile work, because we all come to the board, all of us, including myself, I'm my own client right now with these beautiful ideas on Pinterest or Instagram. I mean, you know, we've all got all the screenshots on our phone and at the end of the day, is that going to fit in to Mm -hmm. your cabinet budget? Because I can look at that photo and tell you the amount of labor that went into that detail, the backsplash, the countertop. It's a very, collective number at the end of the day. And when you're building a home and you get to the very end and you're like, God, I really want that Calcutta Gold marble in the kitchen. But that quartz is just as nice and it costs a lot less. They're gonna go with the quartz, you know, a lot of times because you're at the end, you're tired. You're (laughs) You're beaten down. (laughs) You're beaten down. You're tired of decisions. You know, you and your husband are probably bickering over, I can't believe we just spent this much money. So I think that starting from the get go with a realistic expectation is so much better than dialing back at the very end. We had a project last year that I knew the allowances were not enough. I knew it wasn't. And this was a $2 million home on an heirloom piece of land. And at the end, we were trying to figure out, uh, we, I will say, there was a conversation about which potties that we could just make do with from like Lowe's and then what will we go with with a more quality product? It's just not a good conversation to have because there is a, a price and a value of having a quality piece of anything in your home, whether it's a toilet or a faucet right. or a light fixture. Right. But when you've got all those allowances and then it comes to the interiors process that we'll talk about in another episode, I know in my head, my interiors budget is just dwindling like it is getting cut and cut and cut that's not fun either (laughs) because your finishes and your construction the things that if you ever moved would stay with the house Mm -hmm. all of that needs to be quality and it all gets rolled into your home your mortgage you know in, Mm -hmm. in some shape or form whatever you're gonna own the home and then most of the time what we put inside that client's home, whether it's a drapery or a rod or a table or a rug, that's paid for out of pocket. So I understand Mm -hmm. how it is as frustrating for me as it can be for the client. It's not my money, but I still am wanting them. Of course, I want every client of mine to have the home of their dreams. And I want every photo that they have collected over the years to be included in the project. But sometimes it comes down to a realistic expectation. So that was a total tangent about <laughs> financing, but from the get-go to to talk to someone, a design professional or a friend who's recently done this, or even just a very knowledgeable contractor to say, okay, you've got $4 a square foot allotted for my tile. Let's be honest, is that enough? You know, mm-hmm. is that going to get me this photo I'm about to show you? Well, nine times it's not. So, but that's not to say we don't do things like, very inexpensive choices in secondary bathrooms so that you can have the master bathroom of your dreams. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to have gold, um, Calcutta gold marble in all of your bathrooms. So we really try to work with our clients on balancing that, on getting a quality product without just going completely overboard. The same thing with your lighting, your plumbing, even your exterior finishes. I think there's lots of beautiful options out there. There's real stacked stone and there's some really beautiful woods and you know, everybody wants a sh- cedar shake roof. Well, is this even practical? You know, so. It's beautiful. It is It's so pretty. <laughs> it looks so good on Pinterest. It
2: looks so good. Um, <laughs> you know, too, when you see it, when you're driving past a house you know. and you're like, ah, oh, you oh. can just. Feel they splurged on that cedar.
1: They splurged on the cedar. <laughs> mm. cedar.
2: Yeah. I have a question. That's do you find mostly that people reach out to you first as a designer, or should you reach out to an architect
1: first? How do people usually even who do they hit first? So that's a great question. Typically, I have found that they're kind of hitting us all at the same time, especially once they have gotten their plans about eighty percent complete. I would rather be engaged earlier than that. and I and I say that when someone's even talking about a build simply because our schedule is is not always readily available for a meeting within the next like week. So if you're trying to finalize plans so that then you can start the the pricing out process with a builder, I'd rather have been engaged a couple of months prior just so I you are on my schedule. When mm-hmm. we do our new builds, We um, typically I go ahead and you have a standing appointment with me once every four weeks, three and a half or four weeks. So I'll go ahead and look at the calendar. And for the next six months, eight months, 10 months, go ahead and have you on the books once a month for the duration of that particular project. So that's not to say we may not have a phone call in between all that, but that allows us to kind of build up our questions We never decide where we're going. We can say it's either in my office or on site. We can kind of make that decision the night before, depending on how the project has progressed. But if you have done, you know, there's one that's going on at Lake Oconee right now. Kids, you know, we have every single thing picked out for this house, y'all, down to the nightstands and the lamps, and they're just at frame stage. But that's just because they thought it was going to start a lot and was going to pick up some steam, and it just didn't. There's scheduling conflicts. There was rain involved. Summer, all these things. Then they couldn't get the lumber. So we have chosen everything for the house. But that's not a bad problem. That's like that's why contractors love working with us because it's all already completed. With and then it, that allows us to really hone in over the next year on you know making changes if need be. But I do like being a part of the plans process too. Mm-hmm. I like pointing out things that maybe a homeowner can't see or hasn't thought of. Mm -hmm. I also feel like a lot of plans are drawn by male architects. I love my male architects, but sometimes (laughs) they don't know how a house works. Mm -hmm. So it's a a point I hadn't thought of, actually. Do they think about how long it's going to take you to carry those groceries from that garage into your kitchen? Or should we... (laughs) Put a, a side entrance, you know, a friend's entrance where you can get those out of the car and you're not lugging all the way down a hallway and all these things. Like, why do laundry rooms get shoved over at the back door when they're the furthest thing from every closet in the house? So, all those things, like to talk through ways to make your life easier as a mom and running a household, that's what I love to be a part of.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's 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 back up and talk about the the plans and and getting um you know just even your initial inspiration in terms of like what what do you want your house to look like? I mean you could do anything. Mm -hmm. Taryn, Oh sorry. (laughs) No, I was just gonna I don't have the
2: answer. I know what I did, but doesn't mean it's right. Maggie actually knows it's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear what you
2: did though. For inspiration, right? That's what Yeah, like how did you know what you want the outside to look like for us? It was again nine years ago, knowing that someday we'd want to tear this down, and just from there on, as a couple, just pointing out things we liked and things we disliked, and, and it kind of naturally narrowed itself down through the years in the sense of just conversation, um, not nothing serious um, until it was okay. We potentially you might have a second child what are we doing with this house I'm so tired of it you know flooding I'm like done I don't want to deal with the mold I don't want to deal with like the rain water every time and losing electricity I want to live how we keep talking about living and that was um and we are fortunate enough that that is we that we can that we can have that conversation and from there narrow down what we liked and for us, we found we continued to go back to traditional shapes. And so for us, we that's really how we found what we're doing, or the shape and stylistically. Yeah.
0: So, so are you just like driving around town? Or are you pinning on Pinterest? Did you have a above. friend's house you liked? All of the above? All the above. And then uh, just from I being fortunate to be on the podcast for five years and talking to Maggie <laughs> years ago, so Maggie, what what do you what do you think? Like how how do how did you go about picking a a exterior or like a style? So my husband and I are crazy,
1: like I said, and we have um oh my gosh, we're on our like sixth house uh here in Gainesville. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, rental is our five fifth house. And then we have done three like three vacation home, like three mountain houses, and we have also renovated my office. Like this is something that we have spent a lot of time Dear pros. doing renovating. So it's funny that we can now go back and look at all of those different houses and projects over the years and pick and say in our heads, like we love this so much. It just depends on kind of, again, like your a lot, like if there was a house like a lot that was originally laid out and designed and had a ranch house on, well, a ranch is like a law. You have a long frontage kind of mm-hmm. as an opportunity there to go back with something that, Maybe it's not a ranch anymore, but is can be, again, a more vertical that has a long frontage. So then you can kind of have dimension and you can have garage doors, you know, all those things like you have an opportunity there. Now, if you buy a lot that had a 1800 square foot kind of shotgun cottage on, well, you're kind of defined on what you're allowed to even put back there. Mm-hmm. So That's again, your point. parameters right. can be kind of defining of, of that also um if you're building somewhere that has a view then maybe you want a house that's not so deep but that is a bit more shallow but long so that every room advantage of that particular view so and y'all know going up is cheaper than going out you've got roof and all that good stuff most houses in the area where we are have some sort of basement or walk-in crawl space because we're in the foothills. So a lot of the houses here, even if they're unfinished, have basements and then you have a main level and then more than likely an upstairs. That's not to say that a lot of the lake houses we do here in Gainesville have a main level and only a downstairs because Mm -hmm. it's basically two levels. One just happens to be kind of up against a hillside or um, Mm -hmm. up against the ground. So I think that depends. That determines a lot of kind of what what direction you're able to go in. Also, kind of the style of your neighborhood. If you have a neighborhood that is nothing but farmhouses, I'd be a little hesitant to go in and put in some glass modern structure, <laughs> you know, unless you just want to stand out. Yeah. Kind of, which is great and fun and wonderful. Um, kind of deciding that too. For us, we, when we engaged our architect, we engaged Greg Bush. He's out of Atlanta. Greg and I are working on probably 10 other houses together in some capacity for clients right now we engaged him knowing that we would be doing our house and our neighbor's house at the same exact time. They're going to be built at the same time. They're going to be, they were designed at the same time. We've said from the get go that we want them to look more like cousins. They want, I don't want them to look like identical twins. They don't even need to look like brother and sister. They really just need to have <laughs> some shared DNA
0: somewhere. Mm-hmm. so that Just look, look good like next go. to each other. That's it. Look good next
1: to each other. Yeah. reflective of the people who are living there. Mm-hmm. So my husband and I, the last two houses, so the house that you guys shot for us seven years ago when I met you first, Caroline, we love that house. We still, we have so many wonderful memories in that home. It just needed, if, if I could have had that house and just done this, like we probably would have never left, you know, it just mm-hmm. needed just a little breathe. Her so hand then, gesture went wider. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, was yeah, a little bit bigger. And then the last house we were in, I would say was a larger cottage. So we're taking elements of both of those last two homes to now we have designed a Tudor home, a a modern Tudor that has the same warmth that we love, that we grew up with in our homes that, you know, our parents' homes, our grandmother's homes, warmth, charm, but good space having, I like houses that have little places to be little Mm -hmm. moments. So You know, it's really hard, say, in an open concept house to have multiple paint colors because that paint color generally is all the way up the stairwell and into the living room and into the kitchen, which I think is absolutely beautiful. And that's actually going to be in our neighbor's house. But in our house, I wanted a place like if I decide to change that wallpaper once every, who knows, six months, (laughs) you know, I can stop and start it or even just a paint color or a trim work or a molding. So. Mm Kind of paying attention to that, too, in your head, I think is nice. Now, at some point, too, when you have requirements like we want master on the main, we want a dining room, we want a breakfast room, we want a family room, we want a living room, we want a mud room, we want a (laughs) big pantry. That's everybody's list, right, for the main (laughs) level. At some point, (laughs) you have (laughs) a square footage that really is hard to kind of contain,
0: Mm -hmm. When you have
1: all those things on one level. Now, the way that most architects do it is we design the first level, get the first level, the way that mom and dad are living on that level, the way they want it. And then you kind of start fitting in um, bedrooms and bathrooms into a roof line. And for all of you who see me, there's a lot of emotions happening (laughs) Uh,
2: We're following right along, Caroline and I, because we can see your hands. (laughs)
1: Depending on your lot, does that allow you to have a basement space Mm -hmm. where you have that whole secondary floor of living and entertaining? That's where you start fitting in the workout room, the home theater, the second kitchen, a guest room, all of those kind of second living spaces are typically put into a really big basement when you're building like that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we're, we're not going to have a basement. Just as a side note, we've got, there's more than enough that we need on the main level. And we put our boys and a guest room for our parents upstairs and they have a playroom, which I has always been important to me to have a playroom that's kind of out of sight, but that my kids can truly enjoy being in. It's not too pretty. It's fun. It's meant for them to have fun in and they can act like boys. For us too, we're doing a pool and I know as a mama, I want to have eyes on that pool. And as if we're entertaining the one in the kitchen, that was important. So that depended a lot on our layout of our house is for me to have that kitchen sink at a window to look over a pool. And it it was a lot of conversation, a lot of finessing kind of how we would construct that without it being, we didn't want it to feel out of place or an add on. But our lot is not conducive to us having a pool behind our house, Hmm. whereas most people would put it. So ours is now built almost like a little courtyard to the left, which I love. It has come together. We love it. It's very close. And it's on one side, it's our two car garage. And then it's my kitchen window. And on the other side is an open air porch that will have a fire burning, like a fireplace, Mm -hmm. um, a real fireplace. So that's that was a lot of priority that we had for our homes from over the years. Now our friends and neighbors that are building their priority list is a little different. One day it would be fun. We could do a whole podcast series on these two houses <laughs> because it's for a lot of people. Yes. You, may not, you may not see both of them, but our layouts are really similar. Our layout was really similar the way we kind of wanted it to flow was similar, but like they didn't want to pool. They needed a third bag in their garage They're finishing out attic space above the the garage because he's a physician that is post-night shift. They wanted a fire pit in the back, and they wanted a screened-in porch. So -hmm. it was fun to, and this is true for all of our clients, to really hone in on priority. And then it's that fun game of let's fit it all in. Mm -hmm. Very modern. Ours will be the tutor with dark stained floors and, you know, white oak cabinetry and some jewel tone walls and then theirs will be a much more they want the steel door look or steel window look they want white oak flooring that's in a lighter colorway white kitchen it's going to be really fun to really get to do both Mm
0: -hmm. so okay in terms of sort of organizing your thoughts and your inspiration like what what do you think do you have a a pinterest board do you have many 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 pinterest boards (laughs) like and and how many ideas is too many when you're first? (laughs) you know what i mean like i think no you're gonna just pin with Mm -hmm. reckless abandon or screenshot whatever on your phone but i will tell you it is taking everything i can do to not start pulling fabrics like it
1: is I am so excited and I'm trying not to jump the gun in the same way that I tell my clients not to jump the gun. We haven't even moved the dirt around yet. So I'm just (laughs) like, okay, let's just get started and do this in the same phases, in the same kind of timely order that I tell my clients. But I do think that Pinterest is an amazing tool. I love that when I'm sitting in a meeting with a client and I have an idea in my head, I can show them what I mean immediately. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that is really awesome because I know I can visualize a lot and they may not be a visual person or kind of imaginative in that way. So when it, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to detail work, describing how a cabinet foot should be or a combination of materials, I love that Pinterest is such a great tool for that. Mm -hmm. I have a fair amount of clients who have already started their Pinterest boards and then they just add me on for me to see the look. But then that's kind of all, that's kind of as far as we go with that. So they kind of, they give me the gist and the feeling, but then I'm allowed to kind of use my creativity from there on translating what I see and those images for them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, the other day we were at a client visit and she had her iPad out and she wanted to show me some pictures. And at some point it just became redundant because I got it. Like it probably could have, five, you know. In like I get five, it. I get it. I got it.
0: But we had like fifty. Yeah. And like yeah. I
1: got it, and it was very kind and sweet. It was our work, so I was grateful. Or it was work that I recognized. Very traditional. So I do think it's important, especially if you have trouble saying what you want. But it's also really fun when you start getting into things like mixing metals or interesting fabrics or layouts of furniture to show a client a photo or for them to say, Oh, I have a picture
0: mm-hmm. right here. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I was talking about.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: But, but do you need all of those things before you engage someone? Like what, what do you, do you need to have some ideas before you start talking to someone or can you, you know, hire your architect and your designer and just be kind of like, yeah, I'm looking for y'all to guide me in terms of what's going to look good in this lot right um that's a that's
1: a great question too i definitely the style of home being built is contingent for all of those other pieces you know mm-hmm. we're I'm big on starting with the piece and then building from there so have we some have, nugget yes, yeah, just a little something we have a client right now who actually was going to renovate a house and we were having so much trouble getting the renovation with what they wanted in their head. And I kept kind of nudging, nudging, like, is this at one point, do we just tear it down and just start from scratch? And so they have finally come. We did this full circle. We're (laughs) going to tear it down. She's engaged an architect. And I told her, I said, I think it's going to be surprising what you end up designing versus what you thought you were going to have. So in Mm -hmm. the same sense of if you... If you purchase a ranch or you purchase a cottage or you purchase a tutor, you're sort of already defining that
0: by -hmm. that purchase.
1: But then if you just start from scratch, it's it could be completely different. I told her, I said, you might you may want a glass house and you don't even know you want to, you know, this cool something. And I'm here for all of it. But I do feel like what you guys were saying earlier, riding around and just looking at other really well done houses. Chances are you're going to really hone in very quickly on style. And I do think that is really nice to take to an architect. Finding an architect whose work you like. Don't go to Frank McCall. I mean, he's mm -hmm. no longer with us, but don't go there if you want modern.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Don't go to Norman Aiskin's if you want cottage. You kind of go with a style that you feel really passionate about anyway.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and it goes back to...
2: The drive around method, which I feel like is a sense of place. And we and everybody has talked about that with decorating, too. So, like, even if you are starting from scratch and to your point, yes, I could go way crazy. But I wanted my house to be part of the neighborhood. I wanted a few Mm -hmm. years for it to just people have no idea once everything's grown up that that it was Brought in five years ago, so for me, I wanted to just kind of to blend with the neighborhood. And so, to your point, it was nice to go around and see the sign. And I mean, that's why they put those signs out front so you can be like, "Who's your builder? Ooh, okay. Let me look at their stuff," or "Who's the architect? Let me go look at
0: their stuff." And so, yeah, I think it's such a great. Yeah, d- d- hopefully, I feel like this is a big like maybe. I know it's not just an Atlanta thing, but just in case other people don't know what you're talking about here in Atlanta, and I think in many large cities, if someone is doing a project and there's clearly like dumpsters and clay in a, <laughs> in a, in a yard that will put a sign in the yard that says like who the, who the builder is, who the mm-hmm. designer, who the architect. And so you can, you can know exactly who designed the house just by seeing a sign in the yard and that, yeah, it's so handy. Okay, so say you, I feel like that's a good kind of tip in terms of like, go look at their website, like pick someone that's already doing kind of in the vein of what you think you would like. How there are
1: also really great house plans readily available out there. You know, mm -hmm. Southern Living has a huge repertoire of beautiful homes that you can buy the house plan and then you can actually tweak those on your own to manipulate a little bit. I mean, Brandon Ingram has a stock house plan. Not, it's not stock by any means, but a house plan <laughs> that you can buy that several of our clients have gone with and tweaked for themselves. Spitzmiller Norris offers the same thing too. So there are some really great ones out there that you may not have to spend the amount of time on a custom plan. Ours took about eight months to get in-hand construction drawings. But that was two houses happening, both houses. They were giving us our revisions at the same exact time. So I know, understand it was double the work, but that was it was eight months before we even got our big mm-hmm. set of plans. And the big set of plans is usually about 40 pages. You know, once you get into all the construction drawings needed to start pulling permits and all those things. So it does save you a, a nice chunk of time if you can find one um, that you feel really good about. Also... They are able to provide you most of the time with 3D images of what the home looks like. You can A lot of times you can do a virtual tour through those houses where you're basically standing in the house. And I think that is really lovely too, because it is so, it's predictable. Like you can come in and you can personalize all Customize of those finishes, it, yeah. But the layout mm-hmm. is really, you can already feel really confident in that.
2: Right, like you probably change doorways to, yeah, like simple things. Like, oh, I don't like the toilet on that wall and Mm -hmm. like scoot it around.
0: Yeah, versus starting from scratch. Sorry, how long did it take you to get your your drawings from the time you contacted the architect? I think mine was around six, seven
2: months in the city of, I mean, he works in the city of Atlanta as well. And at the same time, towards the last few months, we had started to interview builders,
0: So So would y'all say it's probably six to nine months from when you, like before you can really start moving in terms of construction? I'm just trying to think like if you bought your, if you bought your land, you know what I mean? And you're not, it's not like your situation, Taryn, where you're already living. You've got a house there. Right. If you've bought your land, you're ready to go. You still need to plan on waiting. Yeah, absolutely. I would say
1: six to 12 months for sure especially if you, you need to engage a builder just because all the good ones have waiting lists. If there was a builder that came to you right now and told you he could start tomorrow, I would be very hesitant, (laughs) Um, you know, just to get on their list too. And absolutely. Yeah. I think that patience is really key right now. Um, And just depending on your area too, but I know where the three of us are in Metro Atlanta, it's, it's um you you would definitely have a little weight
0: so how do you go about okay i feel like we've kind of talked about architects but like who who do you need on your team who are like the people that you need to call
1: well certainly i think your plan to me is so important having the right plan for the way that you guys want to live is really important if you're open to where that house in that plan will be built, I think it makes it a little easier sometimes. Um, if you're in an area that has lots available, you know, if you have home sites that are or land that is readily readily available. But now, if you're in Atlanta, you may have a couple of more or in any metropolitan area where you're building in in a inside a city perimeter, a couple a little bit harder time finding a flat piece of land to build on. So it may be a tear down situation. Um, I think that the land and maybe the architect come hand in hand when it comes Mm -hmm. to engagement. Um, The other day I spoke with a client who's getting ready to start the, the plan process in January and she has already engaged me and I was grateful. I said, I'm so glad you did this. I'm so glad you called me. It gives me kind of the mental note to leave space for that next year, kind of knowing what that Mm -hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. I told her also I I hoped that that would be in her favor, that she would not encounter quite as many challenges as a lot of our home right. builder, uh, homeowners have had the past two years. I hope that next year we're delivering more good news than bad.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but then most of the time your architect will have a recommendation or your builder for a landscape architect to engage when it comes to how to place that house on the land and then building from there. What do you want that landscaping to look like? Are you putting in a pool? Are you putting in a pool house, a second structure? How will that kind of lay out on the land? So a lot of conversation over the, I would say, six months to a year. A lot of conversation. You want to get it right the first time. You don't want to, you, don't, you can't move the house. You don't mm-hmm. want to change the roof. Yeah. yeah, I think that seeing some conceptual drawings from the get-go on placement of home on your property is really important.
0: So, is that when you need the landscape architect for, or can your architect not do that?
1: Most architects will drop in conceptual plantings that abut the house, but from but a. They can like cite can it. Have,
0: like right, they in can terms of. You. Yeah, like we, what's facing the street, how is it going to, you mm-hmm. know, how close is it to the street, all that stuff.
1: Right. Yes. Well, like for us on our lots, our lot is actually quite deep. It's not. So it's kind of long and skinny. So our houses are perpendicular to the street. So we needed that to be kind of firmed up with. We had a landscape architect come in and just take kind of a general footprint of the homes that we would be building and how that would spatially look on the lots. So how far apart our houses could be. And so and we. We have a lot of clients right now who are kind of building the family compound, per se. So after COVID, they're like, we just want to be together so this doesn't happen again. So they're kind of building these family compounds on a certain amount of acreage. And that is important to see how those houses can relate to each other.
0: Mm -hmm. So, okay, it sounds like you need an architect, a contractor at minimum. Yes. Unless you're going the builder route and you don't necessarily have an architect, or do you think Everyone needs an architect.
1: I don't think that. I think if you find a plan that you feel really confident with and you can see and visualize, which most of them you can online now, I think that you don't necessarily have to have an architect per se. Okay. But I do know that there's some really talented kind of interior architects who you could call on to even just kind of move a couple of walls. You wouldn't have to have a re-engagement of redrawing the plans.
0: hmm that makes that's sense. That's a good call. Yeah. So, okay, wait. So architect, contractor, possibly a landscape architect, and then your designer. And that's kind of, that's your mm-hmm. team. Yes, absolutely.
2: Wait, I have to add one only because, but also if you decide you want to pool, you have to pool guy too. He's uh, like a separate guy. I don't know. <laughs> for me, I keep calling him
1: pool guy. I'm sure he would not appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> right. Well, like. At our last house, our landscape company has a pool division. Ah, okay. So,
2: detail. okay. Well, then, yeah. yeah. See, there it goes. I didn't even know that. But they I went, like pool guy.
0: Get pool guy. <laughs> the pool guy. <laughs> the pool guy again, I'm sure he loves <laughs> He's someone that's, like, licensed and, like, went to school for a long time. Right. I'm sure. And knows <laughs> a lot. Okay. And I'm still like, yeah, the pool guy. <laughs> All right. Any Anything else? I mean, next, next we're going to be talking to an architect and, you know, all kind of about your plans, your wish list, all that stuff. But is there anything else people need to know before getting started? Any words of wisdom? <laughs> <laughs> I do think that a little foresight and um,
1: a little preparation on a homeowner's end of honing in just a little on what priorities are riding around, taking some photos, making a Pinterest board, doing some screenshots, you will see there is a common thread over that period of time that maybe you couldn't quite put your finger on in the beginning, but maybe you look and you've pinned 50 pictures of kitchens and 49 of those are white. Then you probably need to go with a white kitchen, you know, and, (laughs) or, or that's like what feels good to you. Or Uh if you come through and you have 10 dining rooms that have a mural on the walls and there's just two that are kind of basic well you, you need you need that you, you know find a way to make that happen an open air porch is a priority for a lot of people a cozy study where you can have kind of more of a conversation room versus a room made for television the exterior finishes if you ride by and all the photos you're taking have stone on the front you'll see yeah i think okay. a little a little research and it's fun my husband, I'd mm-hmm. like to ride around and look at houses. Oh, for sure. Get some coffee. <laughs> mm. Like, yeah. Mm. Love it. Yeah. Drive slow bag. Put
0: your flashes on if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I feel like when you talk about planning, I, what I hear is if you are not a good planner, I feel like there's people are in one of two camps. They're a good planner or they hate to plan and they're like a wing it type person it sounds to me like if you're a wing it type person and you should know this about yourself, like you probably just want to hire someone to help you. Because, yes, I feel like every time we've had yeah. you on the show, Maggie, you like, I remember one time you were talking about, like, do you want to be picking out those light switches? Like, a light switch can be important, you know, like, there are yeah. all of these choices you have to make, Ooh, nice. thousands of choices. And if you are not someone that makes choices well, or you know that you're not super organized, you don't like to plan, like, that is, you need a Maggie, you know, and, and if you're someone, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, not to say that you, if you are a big planner, you don't need a designer, but maybe you are more comfortable handling some of that on your own. I mean, you know, cause I know not everyone has the budget to have the full, the full suite of professionals. Um, right. And I think too, there are,
1: Lots of designers out there. Um, in our industry right now, there are just so many builds happening versus what I would call like design or decorating over the past decade. So there are lots of firms out there who will offer a kind of a range of packages too, when it comes to hours devoted to a project. So if you like for us, we're full scale, but that's not say to say that we literally come in and we do the entire house at once at the end. We may concentrate on the main living areas, but there's a, also a, a lot of firms out there, and that's just a simple phone call to see if there is a designer on their team who could handle just a finishes package. So that's mm-hmm. coming in and helping them choose all of those things that, like I said, when you moved, you don't take with you. And that would include electrical walkthroughs, you know, with your builder, the plumbing walkthrough, how the tile is going to be laid to alleviate those questions because mm-hmm. that's Delicious what happens. Is,
0: yeah, i heard of this, but it's genius.
1: That yeah. Sure. Yeah. So we, I mean, we offer that too. Um, that's a service that we have at, here in-house. Um, we do a fair amount of kind of finishes with e-design as well. So people that love doing this type of thing, but kind of get to a certain dead end. But I think that just kind of calling around and seeing what other people offer is really nice too. And there may be there's lots of design companies that don't want anything to do with builds. They just want to do decorating, which is really mm-hmm. fun, too. So there's kind of different levels of what you can engage a designer for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it sounds like we covered a lot of it. Um, a lot. We covered everything on our list for this first episode. <laughs> so we have many, many, many questions left but hopefully everyone listening who's doing who's working on your own project um, hopefully you found this helpful send in if you have some questions yeah yeah absolutely And um, this process we're also going to be talking to an architect next a contractor and then we'll talk about just interior design and like the final touches as well so stay with us tune in for the next episode follow maggie on instagram i believe it's maggie griffin design all one word Happy decorating!